Hello, and welcome back to the Hair Detect Podcast. I'm Jen Stone, here with Amber Pearson. So excited to have you guys joining us again. As for people who are new, the concept is uh, Amber has been in hair for a lot of years and is interested in going into something in technology and has no idea what. So we're using this podcast as a, a mentoring session to understand more about what is out there in the technology world and, and what might be of interest to Amber. Um, I personally am a principal security analyst for a company here in Utah um, and love it. So a lot of the people we're going to talk to are security people because I clearly have a bias. But <laughs> Amber was saying that she was interested in development. So today, guess who we have on the call? Who? Isla Khan. She is a software engineer for Recursion. Isla, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jen. I'm glad to be here. Will you please tell us all about you and your background and what you do? Absolutely. So I'm a software engineer on Recursion's data engineering team. I spend a lot of time working with cloud infrastructure and building data services so that Recursion can discover new drugs or repurpose drugs for rare diseases and other other medical conditions that conventional pharma companies have not been treating. Interesting. That sounds so and fascinating. Yeah. It's an awesome company. Before that, I was at ARUP Labs working for their biocomputing group where uh, they do genomics testing and research. And then before that, I was at the University of Utah doing application development. Interesting. So usually I talk way too much, and I wanted... <laughs> I, I kind of gave Amber homework last time. I was like, hey, can you come up with the questions? So I would love to hear what you want to know from Isla. Yeah. So I guess just okay. like at a very basic level, how did you get into software development? Is that right? Am I or yep. software? Is that the same as software engineering? That's such a good question. Like I'm green. You have to explain <laughs> all of this to me. <laughs> well, I, I think it depends who you ask. Um, the entire process of software development is to produce a usable software product. It, it could be. Um, an application for a phone or your computer. You know, we run programs like Word and Excel um, or like services that just run in the cloud and that you hit in your web browser or that another service can call. Personally, I think of software development as developing that, just the code part and putting that out there. But then I think of software engineering as the entire process from design to deploying that piece of software and managing it. So that that's my personal opinion. It doesn't necessarily reflect what other people at my work think or other people in the field, but that's the way I think about it. Gotcha. Cool. So what what would you say through your various jobs? Like, do you have a... A standard set of things that you do daily or what do what does an average day for you look like oh and I didn't answer your question about how I got started oh either. yes 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 I'm sorry I'm interrupting myself <laughs> sorry. so I'll start with how I got started which yeah. is 
Um, I earned a bachelor's degree in computer science. And while I was working at the University of Utah, I earned a master's degree in computational science. That was not really necessary for my career. I just thought it would be fun and interesting, (laughs) and it was. (laughs) And being at the University of Utah, here's a nice perk. You get half off tuition for yourself or a member of your family. That is a nice perk. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as far as my day-to-day goes, it does tend to vary. It did vary from job to job. Uh, When I was at the university, I worked alone a lot just mostly just writing code, occasionally pitching in to write little brief snippets and papers or grants when necessary, just to explain what the software was doing, not about the research part or anything like that. Uh, When I transitioned to ARUP, um, it was more of a data engineering role in a team. So I switched from developing on uh, servers or clusters to working primarily in AWS cloud, Amazon Web Services, uh, with the team. So we it was a much more collaborative environment. Uh, I ended up having to do a lot more documentation writing and writing a lot more tests because uh, it, it it is a medical service. So we had to be able to prove that the software that was support that was supporting the genomics tests were doing what said it was doing, and then creating dashboards for uh, scientists and managers to look at. And then at Recursion, it's also a highly collaborative environment. So day to day, I tend to work with my teammates quite a bit. Um, Also, it's, I work in Google Cloud instead of Amazon, which meant that up until fairly recently, I was learning the differences between AWS and Google Cloud. And still writing a lot of code. Lately, I'm working in more of a DevOps project. So I've had to learn some of the operations side of things, deploying software, running cluster management tools. Like um, you'll hear about Kubernetes if you start diving into the DevOps world. So that's the cluster management we use. Brace yourself. <laughs> At this point, she's going, what are all these words? So just to back up a little bit, and because a, yep. a lot of the people who, who tune in are also very new, and that's why mm-hmm. kind of they're interested in it. Okay, so DevOps is where um, you take what's developed and put it into an operational setting. So you can develop yes. code, but it's not done until it's actually usable on on production systems, right? And so that's kind of a high-level view of what DevOps does. Kubernetes is um, a a way to, oh man, there's a lot to go into there. Let's just say it's a way to make sure that the the code lives somewhere in the cloud um, in in a defined group of things, right? So you don't need to know that word. It's okay. (laughs) Okay. So it's just another place to put software. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Sorry, I did not mean to interrupt you, but oh, I, no. could, I could just feel Amber going, what are these words yeah, you are saying? Are these words? <laughs> Th- that's, a, that's a really nice explanation of uh, what Kubernetes does. Oh, thank you. And um, some of the, the, th- the things we are concerned about, like being in, empowering developers to take the code they're writing, package it up, and deploy it in the cloud in a reproducible way using... Basically, code is infrastructure. Mm. So you you write out all the directives you want to say, I want my cluster of 
computers to look like this. And I want to deploy my service or my application in this way and expose it to other services or to a browser. So it looks like this. Right. That's basically what that all means. So, okay. so just from, from, I'm curious, how do you feel about um, Google Cloud as opposed to AWS from a, from a developer standpoint? What's your, do you have a preference on that? or? I don't have a super strong preference. I feel like Google Cloud is more developer friendly. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell that they develop the services with software engineers in mind, whereas AWS feels very operations heavy. Right. But I, you know, I've it heard is that from others as well. Extremely yeah. powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very powerful. Lots of services. And, you know, it's got that name brand recognition. So if you're proposing a new project to your manager, yeah. you know, you you might be biased towards Amazon just because it's Amazon. <laughs> sure. People have heard of AWS and then you say GCP and they go, mm, not so much. But mm. but the developers that I've talked to, they love that service-based approach that GCP has. So that anyway, that's neither here nor there, but... I was just curious. Sorry. No. When so I a couple of weeks ago was watching like a very introduction class on YouTube, like introduction to cybersecurity, mm-hmm. and something that the guy being interviewed mentioned was like get familiar with AWS, get familiar, create a Google Cloud account, and what was the other one? Microsoft Azure. Yeah. Right. Yes. That's the big three. So Good job. I know what they are. I at least have done some homework. <laughs> <laughs> but. I was like, oh my God, Google and Amazon have yet another thing that like they're dominating the field in. Like how do they have so many things in their back pocket? Success breeds success. Yeah, it's incredible. But so I I at least am this bit familiar with AWS and Google Cloud. I at least know what they are. So she was (laughs) telling me that she actually started taking some development classes. Um, What were they again? It was the one that I started taking was it was just on Udemy, uh, their web developer boot camp. So very, very basic. And I honestly have not made it very far into it because when I was like, wow, I like this enough. I think I'm going to apply for a scholarship now. So I spent a lot of my time applying for uh, a boot camp scholarship and then was like, oh, okay, I have to go back into the salon now. Oh, so <laughs> real life got to you. But, yeah, but from from your perspective, um, what do you have a standard set of languages that you program in, or and and how did you um, choose that those that direction? Um, so a lot of it was chosen for me, depending on the project and the organization I was working for. So at the university, it was a lot of C plus plus sometimes Java, sometimes C, and later on, uh, Python. So uh, I was working in a lot of scientific computing projects and any a lot of computationally heavy software, software that does a lot of number crunching for physics and sure. chemistry, is written in C and C++. Okay. So that dictated my toolkit. When I moved to ARUP, um, a lot of the data services we were writing were written in python and i'm sorry if you can hear my cat right now (laughs) (laughs) i love it that's awesome sorry you can probably hear our chickens Uh, i don't know if the dog has barked or something (laughs) it's it's how we work now (laughs) yep 
Yeah, so uh, primarily Python at ARUP, and then at Recursion, it's been a mix of Python and um, a functional language called Clojure that you deploy on, sorry, I'm going to use another technical term, the JVM, the Java Virtual Machine. Okay. So it, it can live side by side with Java and use Java methods, but it's a purely functional language. It's really cool, by the way. Cool. And a little bit of Golang. What's that? Golang? Oh. Uh, it's it was it's a programming language developed by Google, intended for low-level system work. In fact, a lot of DevOps tools that you'll hear about, like Kubernetes, or if you've heard about Docker containers, those are written in Go. Okay. So um, the other thing that we were talking about was a lot of times she wanted to talk to women in the industry because mm -hmm. you might have a unique perspective on how is it to be female in um, software engineering? Um, it, it, it varies. I, I think, I feel like my experiences have been really good so far. Uh, maybe it's because of the organizations I've been able to get jobs at. Uh, for the most part, my colleagues have been, you know, uh, very supportive and professional um, but yeah, I understand that it, it can be very isolating sometimes being the only woman on your team. I've mm -hmm. definitely had the experience where I was the only woman in the room. Right. And, you know, most of the time that that feels okay, but sometimes it's a little disconcerting. <laughs> it can be and harder to speak up. Sometimes, yes. Um, and kind of depending on the room and the... Com so one of the things that I will tell people who ask me, you know, if they're unhappy with their job and they're women and they're feeling like I'm the only woman there, I tell them, look, sometimes it's because you're at the wrong company and it's okay to change and find a good company. So I love stories about, hey, you've had good experiences because you've been with good people, right? So there's no reason yeah. to stick it out with, with a place that makes you feel bad about yourself. Definitely not. Um, I will say that Recursion has made a concerted effort to hire female engineers. Um, it, it Having a diverse workforce with many perspectives has been a priority. That's excellent. And I've been... Uh, I've been actively involved in interviewing engineers and machine learning scientists since I started there. Wonderful. That's awesome. Did you have anything else? I do. I do have a few more questions. Yeah. If you, if you have enough time, right on. Yes. So, um, actually, let me let me get to my list. <laughs> you are <Sorry>. all organized. You <laughs> wrote them down. I'm so impressed right now. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. Um, who do you usually report to and how often are you reporting to that person or team? So I report to the director of data engineering since uh, I was initially assigned to the data engineering team, even though we've broken out into shorter term teams at the moment just to do some special project work. Um, he's still the person I directly report to. Um, we have, we actually have daily team standups and then, uh, typically a one-on-one -on -one every week. Okay. Cool. So there, there's like a tight feedback loop between me and my manager. That is super helpful when you can actually communicate with the person who's, who's your team lead or your manager. Um, it helps the work a lot. Cool. What else? Yeah. Yes. Um, so within... 
within your role, how much autonomy would you say you have? Hmm. I'm not sure how to quantify that exactly. Um, I would say I have a about as much autonomy as any software engineer in a well-run organization has. You know, I can I have time to do self-education and research new tools that I could propose that the group adopts or new techniques. But because it's a startup, we do have to align on the business goals and the research sure. goals. Sure, sure. So, you know, just keeping that in mind is important too. We do have certain projects that are of high value to the company and do take priority. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Two more questions, if that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes. how, how many hours a day would you say you are actually working on things? Is it like you come in and immediately are cruising away on things? Is there some flexibility in what your workflow looks like? Uh, there is, especially now that everybody's working from home. <laughs> it does kind of change the <laughs> dynamic a bit. <laughs> um, I think most software engineers probably have solid coding time of two to five hours a day, depending okay. on the project. Uh, we, we don't just spend the full eight-hour workday coding mm -hmm. uh, because you do have to read messages and answer questions and have meetings so meetings are the worst <laughs> yeah <laughs> so typical eight to ten hour work day depending on what what we're working on and I think it's a good day if I can get a solid three to four hours of coding okay well, cool. sometimes at night, if I have to get caught up on stuff, that's <laughs> just the nature of the game. <laughs> gotcha. Is that, can that, I, this isn't in, I have one more question, but this is not that one. Is that usually yeah. dependent on like you have a, like you're working towards accomplishing this task. And so you have to create and follow out these subtasks within that. So it, it takes however long it takes until that is done by said due date yeah okay yeah th that would be one one thing and sometimes also you know we introduce bugs sometimes there are setbacks unexpected complications maybe a tool that we decided to work on didn't quite work out as expected so we have to backpedal a bit we do try to when we're doing time project time estimates we do try to factor that in but sometimes we don't always capture that well sure <laughs> Sure. Okay. Last one. Are you able to do this remotely? Yes. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, I've been working completely remotely since uh, early March. Okay. Uh, my company was fairly early about deciding that everyone should work from home. Uh, they started the labs back up, of course, but the rest of us are working offsite until further notice. Does that seem like something like if you were like, hey, I want to go to on this trip, am I, does your company or the companies that you've been with in the past, does that seem like a pretty easy conversation to have? Or are they like, no, you need to be in the office or if you're not, you need to take vacation time. Are they more flexible 
about that? Um, the, the university was pretty flexible because academia. Mm. AUP was more formal. You did have to, if you wanted to take a trip, you do have to request vacation time. Okay. I'd say recursion probably falls a little bit more towards formal just because they, they want to know that you're going to be available for, you know, meetings and to talk to your colleagues. But they have been supportive of people going to other places to work as long as you have, you know, good infrastructure, good internet connection. Just because given the unusual circumstances we're in right now, you know, yeah. some people have family they need to be with or to take care of. Sure. But I, I think most of the time, although my group has had typically one remote work day a week just to give us some deep working time. Mm -hmm. uh, they, pref they preferred it when we were working in the office together. Okay. I wonder how, how much that will um, be maintained once everybody starts, you know, going back, back to work. Um, I know that development is a job that can be done anywhere, but like you said, depends on the company. What's the company culture and what, how, how do they feel comfortable managing the work? And I think um, the, the remote work that people do is it's less dictated by the ability to do it remotely mm -hmm. than by management's understanding of how to um, quantify the work done remotely. So, mm -hmm. Isla, this has been so great. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Did you have anything I'm else you wanted to... Share with with her uh, that we didn't touch on about your job, or um, just I would second the learn a learn at least one cloud service because I don't think any developer or anyone entering the fields can afford not to know about it at least at a basic level. Okay, and always keep learning <laughs> if you if you want to enter the field and be successful, you're always learning. Love that. Excellent advice. Thank you. So much for joining us. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. All right. Yeah. What did you think? That was awesome. And she's awesome. Oh. Seriously. Uh, yeah. And so like, oh, you know, I just do this thing and I'm a total badass. Yeah. No big deal. Very, very <laughs> casual about how great she is at what she does. Uh, I am... Um, Isla is is fantastic, and she she has talked to me in the past about women in technology and how do we promote more diversity in the field. So it was super I, great to have her on the on the call today. That's awesome. I love that, and it's it's been. I'm excited to talk to more women to like get a better understanding of what their experiences have been like because yeah. I'm sure. Within talking to everybody, everybody's experiences have been so different. They're, yes. Yeah. And and from company to company also. Like, that's something that I have mm -hmm. to remember is the company's culture is so, yes, so critical. And this is something that uh, I talk to a lot of women. And if you are out there hearing this and you hate your job, don't stay there. You, you, there are so many companies out there. There's so many places that will hire you. Whether you think they will or not, they will. And you just have to go, I'm not happy. I will never be happy here. If if you're like, oh, it's just this one guy holding me back or this one lady or whatever. Because uh, I've had both men and women who mm. who have been negative enough that it made the entire experience difficult. Mm -hmm. And it really stifled my growth in, in trying to move forward. Um, and looking back, man, if I had cut ties and found another place earlier, it really would have been better for all of us. Yeah, that's... 
that's so good to know, especially because I, this is an entirely new world and having to keep that in mind of like, Hey, if this company fit is not good, like there are others out there, there. others out there. Yeah. There's other ways to do things. Don't get me wrong. It is important to be loyal and supportive of any organization that you're part of and you want to help move it forward. But if it's a, if it's a lost cause, it's a lost cause and recognizing that soon early is, is helpful. Yeah. All right. So you think you might want to be a developer. I am still leaning towards security. (laughs) I, the more I learn about security, I'm like, um, an ethical hacker, sign me up. That yeah. sounds rad. Here, so I think I'm still leaning towards that. Here's the here's the trick, though. Really good hackers mm-hmm. have a development background, so keep working yes. away at it. Yeah, that's right, because that only helps you understand yeah. the things. How more. it all works and how you can get in. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks again for joining us. I'm Jen Stone. And I'm Amber Pearson. Hope to see you again next week.